Welcome to the Conscious Marketing Podcast, where marketers come to look themselves in the mirror and discover how to unlock their superpowers. In this episode, we get off the hustle wheel to have a little fun and ask ourselves, is there another formula for success? Joel Kamm, author of The Fun Formula, joins us as we find our passions and learn how to turn fun into a way of life. Joel Kamm is a New York Times bestselling author, internet pioneer, cryptocurrency podcast host, keynote speaker, and eternal 12-year-old. He's a New York Times bestselling author of 15 books that include The Fun Formula, where he dispels the myth of the hustle wheel. He is a true innovator and early adopter who has created viral successes such as the iFart app and classic games, a family-friendly multiplayer gaming website that he sold to Yahoo in 1997 and was the precursor for Yahoo Games. He conceived of and hosted the next internet millionaire, the first internet reality show. Now he is shining the light on our financial evolution as the creator and co-host of the Bad Crypto Podcast, the world's top Bitcoin podcast with over 1 million downloads. You can learn more at funformulabook.com. Jeff Livingston is the founder of Livingston Campaigns and Livingston Photography. He's a marketing leader, a buzz creator, a published author, and a social fundraiser. As an online marketer and social fundraiser, Jeff has helped brands and nonprofits raise more than $225 million online. And now he leverages the gig economy to make CMO-level talent and marketing project execution available for companies of all sizes. You can learn more at livingstoncampaigns.com. And that brings us to me. I'm Nicole Kelly, the founder of the Conscious Marketing Institute, a marketing visionary, industry innovator, and quantum healer. I have a track record for creating evolutionary change in the marketing industry. As an early pioneer in social media measurement, I wrote the book, How to Measure Social Media, and created many of the data standards that are still in use today. But then life took an interesting turn. And after three minor strokes and a near-death experience, that were caused from over three decades on the hamster wheel of success, I founded the Conscious Marketing Institute, where we have a mission to inspire marketers to unlock their superpowers so together we can help humanity step into its full potential. Learn more at ConsciousMarketingInstitute.com. Please join Jeff and I in a warm welcome for today's guests, and together let's create an industry-wide evolution of consciousness. Hi, and welcome to the Conscious Marketing Podcast. I'm Nicole Kelly. I'm excited because today we are joined not only by Jeff Livingston, but the amazing Joel Kamm. Hi, Joel. Here? <laughs> he is. He shows up in the weirdest places. <laughs> the weirdest. And today he's going to talk to us a little bit about getting off the hustle wheel. And we're asking ourselves, is there another formula for success? And for me, this is not only like totally resonant with my personal story. I know Jeff, for you, this has some resonation with you, but this really gets down to not only how does this affect our experience in our life, but really, how does this impact our marketing messaging and how, if we're out there promoting the hustle formula, what impact is that having? So, Joel, why don't you get us started? Tell us a little bit about the fun formula and how you started really prioritizing fun in your life. Yeah, spoiler alert, hustle and grind sucks. So, there you go. <laughs> I got to cut my tie off now. <laughs> that's, that's not the, 
you know, I've um, I, I didn't know there was a fun formula until I reverse engineered my own life and my own successes and my failures and discovered that there was a commonality uh, repeatedly throughout the uh, the times in my business and in my life where things have worked out really well and things haven't. And there's, you know, ever since Tim Ferriss wrote The 4-Hour Workweek, what, nine, ten years ago already? I feel old now. Um, you know, people become became more aware of the fact that, you know, maybe there is something to this working smarter instead of just working harder. And over the past years since that book, this pendulum has kind of been shoved back the other way with... Uh, this hustle and grind mentality. And, and it comes from this notion that hard work is a virtue, which I believe is true. There's times in your life that you just need to buckle down and do the work. But there are those who have taken this hard work equals virtue mentality and said, well, 10x the hard work must be 10x the virtue. And that's insane. It's simply not true. And I've discovered that the times that I have hustled and just gotten really busy almost for the sake of busyness because you got to be up early, you got to stay up late. And when those chump friends of yours are, you know, sailing on the weekends, you're the one at the office killing it, crushing it because that's how you get ahead. That's not true. Those are actually the times that lead to burnout, physical, emotional, spiritual. And what I discovered is I've had probably seven what I would call Grand Slam home runs in my career. I'm very blessed over the 23 years. You know, I've sold a site to Yahoo. I've had a number one iPhone app. I created a reality show. And, and now I've got a, a top crypto podcast. And all these home runs came with the least amount of effort the least. And so the fun formula is a reverse engineering of a mindset and a lifestyle that I've discovered works repeatedly um, it, way better than the hustle and grind. Interesting. Very interesting. What I find in most interesting about your story and why I was so excited to have you on is because first of all, you are the funnest person I know. <laughs> I mean, I like to me, like, I, just, I win. What do I win? <laughs> you, um, you live your life much like I imagine Peter Pan does, you know, mm -hmm. like you are very experienced and sophisticated in your business tactics, but you are very childlike versus childish. Child I can't fly though. You, well, I don't know. I think they have machines for that now. <laughs> that is true. Well, part of my bio, um, the last line of my bio is eternal 12-year-old. Yeah. Because, you know, 12 is that, that perfect age um, where, you know, you're not going through all the, the trials and tribulations of, you know, puberty yet, hopefully, uh, and yet you're not quite a little kid. You know, you can you start exploring in ways that you couldn't when you were single digits. And uh, maybe I'm stuck there forever because that's when my, my parents got divorced. So I'm stuck at 12. And But I do it with, um, you, you know, you could be mature. You can adult, but you don't have to grow up. Yeah, it's a big difference. It's a big difference. And when it comes down to you talk about this conversation of childlike versus childish, right? There are plenty of people who are 30, 40 still living in their parents' basement because they haven't been able to figure out how to make this formula work for them in a way like to have 
have fun and to earn a living and or they just refuse to do the hustle grind and they end up on the news did you see that yeah, yeah, that guy that got kicked out right it's like his parents asked him to leave five six times and they finally took him to court and the judge yeah. is like yeah you need to leave yeah there what <laughs> what right. Yeah. And, and, but the opposite of this is like, how do you design a life around fun? And like I said, for me, this is a, a personal passion because I did literally work myself to death. Like I had two minor strokes and that wasn't enough. Then I was going to basically now biohack and make my, optimize my physical machine to the point of like draining its battery, you know, if you will, when I had my third. And so, you know, I, and I'll say, you know, I met um, Gary Vee at a, a conference and he was my idol. You know, Tim Ferriss in the four hour work week came a little bit later than that for me. And I said, I told him, I was like, one day you're going to want to buy my company. He goes, great. I hope you do. And then I put his formula into action. Hustle, hustle, hustle. I worked more hours than anyone. I did. I took on almost all the work myself. I hired awesome people. But at the end, my physical body was being neglected. I didn't exercise. I didn't eat well. I didn't sleep well. All of these like core things for our you know, human body to work when we get into this hustle and grind. Sometimes I think we forget that we are organic machines. And if we don't take care of it, then it's going to stop. You'll have adrenal burnout. And there's a ton of research on play and fun and how when you stop and you play, it brings back the creativity, the wonder in your life, and that it's crucial for uh, many of these ideas that you had, Joel, because, I mean, one, one of your many successes is the iFart app. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, it's an app that farts. That's your you fault. Know, it's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, Guilty as charged. Millions, billions of <laughs> served. And, uh, you know, again, this is a perfect example. This was, you know, the, the fun formula is really three components. It's al- allowing your you to be you, uh, which means be curious, try things, not being afraid to try things, to allow your creativity to flourish and say, you know what, I'm, there's uniqueness here and I'm going to do what I want to do. Um, so that's part one. Part two is being willing to take a risk, and, which means being willing to fail. And failures are some of the greatest teachers, and we could talk about that in a little bit. And the third part is serendipity, or what I like to call trusting the process, that there is a right time and a right place. And you might think you know what it is. You might think you know who you're going to work with, when you're going to work with them. You don't. You have to wait for, let, let me say it in a ethereal way the stars to align but you'll know when that time is right you don't have to put the cart before the horse because when you do you end up with hoof prints up and down your back i've been there i've done that but these three components are the pieces that have worked again and again now look gary's a great guy i've known gary for years and if this works for him that's great but i hear him telling people don't try to be like me do you now that doesn't matter because he's got such a high profile that these young people want to follow him anyway and try to do what he does and it's unfortunate because i i've heard him say don't you know don't do this um and and i hope he's happy doing what he's doing but for most people that hustle and grind does not work out it it not only leads to the physical burnout uh, but the emotional burnout and damaged relationships i mean I, i you know 
I've got to say to some part, I don't know what part it is, a tablespoon perhaps, that my workaholism did not help my marriage, you know, which, which ended. So people are the most important, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny though. I, I would argue in the case of Larry, I mean, not Larry, uh, Gary, phonetically the same, right? Uh, Larry Vaynerchuk is his, uh, his character that sleeps right? all day and lives in the basement. <laughs> Uh, but I think like Gary V loves what he does, right? Like, like for me, if you were to ask me to go photograph stuff, I could do that for 14, 15 hours mm-hmm. and, and it wouldn't tire me because it's like really feeding my creative soul. Right. So in his case, he's doing what's fun for him. Exactly. That is his fun formula. I and, think- and I hope he buys the jets and lives to be a hundred. And, and, um, and I hope that the people who are emulating him, try to emulate themselves more uh, because only one person can own the jets. Right. Well, I would also say too, like I think most people end up getting promoted out of what they love or they move out of what they love, particularly when they get to their middle career. Like for example, I'm sure Nicole, you enjoy creating communications, but you may not have enjoyed managing as much or vice versa. You know, it's, it's usually one or the other and you get, stuck doing uh what i would call when i was uh, owning my own company taking out the garbage a lot you know and when you're taking out the garbage 10 12 hours a day and forcing yourself to work harder i think that you're just uh you're kind of killing a little part of yourself slowly you know and uh i also think too um as a cautionary to- uh, tale for employees like if you have a boss that's making you do this if you're in a culture that makes you do this they don't care about you you know, they do not care about your welfare. And as soon as you burn out or as soon as you stop producing, they're going to cut you, man. Exactly. That's so true. In fact, we all know people. I have family members that I love dearly that bought into the American dream, right? And uh, have been working J-O-Bs that they hate for decades, decades with no way out in their mind. In their right. mind, there's no way out, you know, that where they have a 10-year plan. 10-year plan? I can't, I can barely see into tomorrow, you know, <laughs> and I never, and I never have been able to. I've always just rolled with it, and maybe that's because people crave security, right? Now, don't get me wrong. There are those, especially single parents, right, and you, you might have to work three jobs, to support your family. you got to do what you got to do, right? Being an adult and responsible is, is important, especially when there's children involved, right? And you're supporting a family. But beyond that, people have choices, right? You chose to buy the bigger house in the nicer neighborhood or the fancy car, you know, the mortgage, the payments. You don't have to live there. I, you know, Nicole, you and I were talking before we started that we've both scaled back. Uh, you know, when I was married and two kids, we had a 6,000 square foot home up in Loveland, Colorado. Beautiful, big home, home theater, all the accoutrements. And it was great, but it was too much. And since my, my divorce, I have gone scaled back, 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 back. And every time I've moved for different reasons to be closer to my kids, to help one of my children get on their feet. Now they're both grown and gone. That's their new names. Love today's guest. 
Here's how you can learn more. How many people do you know that are truly satisfied with their work life? And how many have been told that work and play are two entirely different things? Newsflash, they have been sold a bill of goods, and it's harming them, both in their work life and in life in general. Hi, I'm Joel Kahn, internet pioneer and author of the new book, The Fun Formula, how curiosity, serendipity, and risk-taking can revolutionize the way you work. It's the new book which shatters the myths about work and awakens individuals to the possibilities for a more satisfying life simply by applying my easy-to-implement approach. Simply put, it's fun. You know, as children, our natural curiosity drives us to seek out new experiences and experiment, and we play as we open ourselves to people, places, and things. You see, that's when serendipity shows up and amazing things happen. In the fun formula, I share specific, practical strategies anyone can put into practice, as well as fascinating stories of others who have played their way to success. This book will change people's lives. You can learn more at funformulabook.com. And now let's get back to the show. I have gone scaled back, 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 back. And every time I've moved for different reasons to be closer to my kids, to help one of my children get on their feet. Now they're both grown and gone. That's their new names. <laughs> like that, but you are grown, you are gone. Hey, grown just texted me. Yeah. And, and, and their, their surname is, and don't come back. Uh, no, my kids but I was carrying in my wake decades of accumulation i had this massive software collection we're talking a couple thousand pieces comic books other collectibles from my past vinyl because i used to be a dj my basement in the previous home i was in was full okay and i decided that when it was time to move i was scaling back i'm going to a two-bedroom apartment i'm getting all new furniture with different colors new start and i'm getting rid of all my crap and i believe that i got rid of 85 to 90% of my personal possessions and liberating freeing. It's just stuff. You can make changes. And even if it starts with a small change, you, those who are listening right now, you know, if I'm talking to you, you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm feeling the burden. Guess what? There's freedom <laughs> from that. You can, you can escape that you can start lighter and it feels so good it's so true and as we were talking about it you know i went from a four-bedroom house with you know three floors to um, a two-bedroom apartment and now i'm back in a house but i'm still a house that's very small and perfect and now i'm going back up to a three-bedroom house because i have another child on the way and what i'll say is the easiest decision for me was to get rid of stuff because the stuff felt like it had that's physical weight that is associated with it, but the energetic weight of that stuff, of the mortgage payment, of um, the cleaning of the house, even just like how much time it would take to just keep the house somewhat decent. And then I had two teenage boys who never cleaned up after themselves. So, you know, it was just like, to me, it felt like such a big burden. And I actually had a friend come out and she, she showed me a process for, you know, we had recycle and keep and sell and all these things. And it was like, man, the more I could put in the, like the, the recycle or the donate or the sell pile, it was just like, I was so excited. And I think that my house the first time lost about 25,000 pounds. Mm. I call it the bye-bye bin. 
Put it in the bye-bye bin. <laughs> yeah, like furniture and everything. And I literally felt the weight of that lift off of me. And every time that I choose to minimalize in another area, I feel that weight, whether... Uh, and, and I feel it physically, but I've also like minimized in my emotional life as well, where I no longer, you know, tolerate myself falling into patterns of judgment, shame, denial, guilt, all of the things that held me into that pattern of working too hard because I was doing it for so many other people versus myself and trying to provide for everyone. You know, I, I no longer, when I look at myself, hold guilt or shame for any of my decisions because I know that at the core, I'm making the best choice for me at this moment with the information that I have. And I know that I also have really good intentions behind everything I do. I might totally screw it up. I might make the biggest mistake of my life, but I know that I did it with really good intentions and the weight of that is very light compared to the responsibility and obligation I felt to provide a life for everyone around me before. You know, here's the, the thing is that we make plans, you know, the old saying is we make plans. God laughs. <laughs> I don't think God laughs at us. I think, I think that if anything, he's like, no, don't do that. Oh man. Oh, trust me a little bit more. Um, what if you don't make it to retirement? Uh, this this book is uh, which is is out now actually is dedicated to a dear friend of mine, Mark Jones. Uh, Mark in his mid fifties, he he fell and he messed up his legs, and while in the hospital, he got a blood clot and he passed away. And this is a man who carpeted the diems. Uh, he he loved God, he loved others, he loved his family, and he lived the fun formula, but there are people who aren't living it now and they're banking on their future. When I retire, after I've done my 30, 40 years time and have saved enough, then I will. Your then I will might not happen. So does that change your perspective? If, if somebody knew that at retirement from this job that they're sacrificing their lives to that that's the day you die how would that change what you're planning for the next few decades you might do things differently i hope you would i got into um, an interesting conversation with my son who is in i have a son that's in college he's a junior at the citadel next year and he's doing an internship with me and so we were having this conversation about essentially how to design his life from here and i just said to him i was like look buddy you are at the most amazing time of your life. You have no responsibility, no obligations. And the only one who is counting on you right now is you. And so as you start making decisions for your life, look at how you feel, make the decision from how you feel, because if you start compromising and doing things for the money now and doing things for the status now and doing things for other people's expectations of you now, then you will continue to make those compromises and you'll find yourself at 40 years old, like I did in a life going, what the heck happened? How did I create this thing? It's really not fun and redesigning it from there. But you can start and that's 20 more years of fun you get if you start now. <laughs> right. But don't you think like some of this is a little bit of uh, midlife experience and also wanting to find meaning or value in your life as opposed to just doing the same old grind? Like I, I find personally in talking with uh, a lot of peers that this is very common. 
you know, I mean, not, not immensely common, you know, there's, I think there's only a minority of us that actually get to this point, but it takes a level of presence and self-awareness and, um, frankly, going through the ringer a few times. And, and when you get there, that's when you really kind of recalibrate your values, uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so you're just basically like, is this all of our midlife crisis? And I, I thought is, about right? this. I've thought this about it. motorcycle, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> I th I've thought about it because, I mean, I even had like some of the desires of like, I want a sports car because I've always had an SUV because of my kids, you know, like I want something cute and sexy and, um, and things. Yeah, like I, I have one. I, I, I got a Mustang. Nice. Actually, I'm on my second Mustang right now. It, but, you know, here's the thing. Sporty doesn't mean it has to right. be exotic or expensive. I think, you know, look, if cars are your jam and you've got your eye on that Lambo or Ferrari, like because you're a car freak, not because you think that that means you've attained some sort of status, then, then go for it. But they're wheels yeah. to me. And I hardly even drive the, the thing anymore because we live in the age of lift. You know, right. <laughs> hard to go and, and uh, walking. Imagine that. Um, but do what you want. That's the thing. People have to do what they want to do. Nicole, get that sports car. Yeah, well, I did. I got a Mazda 6. Like, I go. was like you. Like, it didn't have to be anything outlandish, but I was like, I want a red Mazda 6, 6 and I'm going to get the, the Grand Touring, and it was, you know, black with white leather. And then I was like, okay, it was cool. Now I'm on to something else. You know? The Conscious Marketing Podcast is sponsored by the Conscious Marketing Institute. Learn more at ConsciousMarketingInstitute.com. Are you ready to go further? Check out the latest free masterclasses and upcoming courses. Learn more at ConsciousMarketingInstitute.com. Am I striking a chord for you today? You can hire me too. Learn how at ConsciousMarketingInstitute.com. Just click on services. And now let's get back to the show. I mean, like I look at some of that stuff too, like the opioid crisis and everything as a byproduct of grinding yourself into the dirt and needing something to make yourself feel better. You know, it's just, uh, I know it's a tangential note, but I, I think when you feel as bad as you do, not having fun, uh, you start looking for your, uh, weekend warrior types of craziness to really kind of fill in the gap. And, and it's, it's not healthy. It's almost like you're unhealthy during your week and because you're not taking care of yourself or feeding your, your spiritual need to have some sort of like a, a good outcome or a good thing to happen for your creativity, then, then you end up like basically abusing yourself in a completely different part of your life. And it just turns into this like bad downward spiral. Yeah. So for me, it was a process of self-inquiry. And I was like asking, like, what does, like, how do I want to work? And how often do I want to work? And what do I want to be doing when I'm working? And what does that actually look like for me? And I think Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, was the first time that I really realized that one, working in <clears throat> for me working in corporate America was going to continue to be a grind and that I was really seeking freedom outside of that and the ability to control my own schedule and the ability to travel. And, you know, cause you, I was getting, I was on the speaking circuit. So I would get pressure every time I had a speaking engagement, you know, things like that of like being out of the office. And as I started to say, okay, well, I want to be able to work from anywhere. I want to work four hours a day. I want to create content because it's what I'm really good at and I really enjoy doing. Like this podcast is like, 
I love doing this stuff. I'm talking to my friends about things that really matter. Like it doesn't get any better than that for me. <clears throat> and then from there, like looking at what my why was, you know, like Simon Sinek has that talk on the why, like what was my why? And realizing that my why has always had something to do with marketing, but wasn't about being a marketer. And um, and from and then designing from there and and really just asking myself those questions. How was I coping with the life I had created? I was coping with a variety of things: food, alcohol, sex, like all kinds of things. So when you start to ask those questions, you one start to see you could call it your wounding and where you have healing to do. Because you know, as you said, Joel, you know, your parents divorced at that age. I think we all have these experiences through our childhood and and even adulthood that trigger response patterns of coping. And that starts to be, I think, for me at least, it was where I started to compromise myself the most was when I was trying to cope with whatever was really going on and just cover it up. Well, and, and it takes trials to get there, right? Yeah. It, it wasn't until I went through a very painful separation and subsequent divorce that my wounding was really revealed. I, you know, I was playing reveal wounding beforehand but you know once you really experience deep grief and you're flat on your back there's nowhere to look but up and you know i took that opportunity to uh, physically lose a bunch of weight and get healthier uh, you know get more fit I, I took the opportunity to speak with a therapist and deal with the old baggage that i had and and release that and uh, to spiritually connect with god in a way that was meaningful to me and, and i actually took a semi-sabbatical where i stopped writing books and i wasn't taking speaking gigs and um, you know i really wasn't producing products and i just took a couple years to work on myself and you know what's really interesting is i thought that we're always afraid to stop doing something because people will forget me right if i disappear uh, out of sight out of mind but was really fascinating is when i started speaking again and writing books not only did people not forget me but it was like the cement hardened over those couple years, whatever people thought of me and my work actually became more, what's the word, ensconced, I suppose, in their minds. And taking that time off was great for me and being away turned out was good for my career. Interesting. So, you know, the, people aren't going to forget you. What's yeah, I've had, I've had a similar experience. I don't know. What's your experience been, Jeff? Well, I was just going to say, I mean, you and I have both been through that as well. I'd love to hear what you say, and then I'll follow you. You're the boss. Yeah. <laughs> go, boss. Go. I don't, boss. I don't know about a boss. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, for me, it was interesting because I feel like by being out of the speaking circuit and stepping away from creating content and stepping away from working on client projects, really removing myself for a good, it's been four years now, it's 2014, you know, right. um, I was able to see what I couldn't see from the inside. You know, I couldn't see the patterns of language that we use in the social conditioning engine that create all of this, right? Like I couldn't see the hero, villain, victim stories. I couldn't see fear-based messaging the same way that I can now. Um, so it gave me this perspective to be able to look back with a lens that I think when you're still in the fishbowl, 
you know, like you don't even know you're in water <laughs> and, and saying, Hey, look, there's this thing, there's this life outside of this water. And then also, um, kind of coming back into it now, I agree with you. I think that I haven't been in people's face over the last couple of years, promoting my own stuff, doing all of this, you know, cause as marketers, that's what we do. We end up coming across very self promotional because we have things that our audience wants and that's beautiful. And it also kind of cheapens us a little bit in a process when there's always another thing coming. So it gave me this great distance to not only come back, but I'm coming back in a totally different way. You know, I was the social media ROI queen, you know, and now I'm talking conscious marketing, totally different. But I realized I was part of the problem that my drive for return on investment was actually creating some of the problems that we were seeing in humanity. And so I came back around and said, Hey, ROI isn't everything, but you know, what it is return on intention, return on emotion. Like let's start measuring these things as well. Yeah, I, I kind of, uh, I was gone since about 2013. And uh, although I never really kind of completely left, I just started taking photographs whenever I took any personal uh, time for content. But I kind of separated my online persona from my work. And uh, even what I found out was I really don't like being out there. <laughs> even though I'm on the podcast, all that stuff. I, I do enjoy it when I feel like I have something meaningful to offer. But I, what I really found out was I like doing cool projects and cool, like what I call in my head, excuse my language, cool shit, right? I like doing cool shit. I like taking awesome photos. I like capturing humanity. I love talking about things that, which will make progress in, in society. I feel like this podcast is one of those things. And when, when it's something like that where I feel like it's something that, that's meaningful, um, that's when I get behind it, right? Like I, I'm enthused about doing this and – uh, when you're out there just doing it to do it, it, it's a mistake. And I think like my lack of enjoyment uh, came across and I just, I really hated the thought of writing just another blog or doing another conference or whatever for no reason. And uh, well, we're doing it because others have told you, right? We grow right. up with messaging, you know, there, we, we all know the story. Oh, my son's going to grow up to be, you know, a doctor. My daughter's going to grow up to be an attorney and you're going to follow in, you know, your parents' footsteps. And we get this messaging. Teachers tell us who we should be. Peers tell us who we should be. Screw all that. <laughs> Forget that. Those, especially any young people that are listening right now. I'm not saying don't listen to your parents. I'm saying take it with a grain of salt and follow your own heart, your own curiosity to where it's going to lead you because that's where your ultimate joy is going to be. Can I share a vulnerable story with you? Of course. So, you know, I told you that I, um, I went through my own dark night of the soul um, during the separation and divorce and took the sabbatical. And when I came back on the scene, I started writing and speaking and producing again. And, and from all appearances to the outside world, I was successful. And I suppose in terms of business, I was, but I wasn't fulfilled. And I was looking at my past successes and I wondered, is my best work behind me? Am I going to now coast? Am I going to be, I like to use them as an example. Some people don't like it, but I don't care. Am I going to be like Tony Robbins who wrote something, you know, great three decades ago and just keeps doing the same thing. There's no more innovation, right? What are you, what are you going to innovate the coals? <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know. 
non-heating coals. Everybody can walk across them now. Um, <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't like that. That bothered me. And here's what was happening. Those doubts were happening as I was writing the fun formula. Wow. Well, part of the fun formula is you have to trust the process. You have to wait for the right time. And I didn't know what my next thing was going to be. And I realized that I couldn't force it because if I forced it, then I would be violating the very thing that I was teaching people. So those who say, oh, Joel, this is easy for you to say these things because, you know, you're already successful. I was going through the <coughs> challenge of questioning what I was going to do next, where my next home run would come from as I was writing the book. The first draft was turned in and I was still having to trust the process. And, and, and I didn't believe that the book itself was the big thing. I think it's, a, it's an important book. It's a core message for me, but I didn't see, you know, it was, it was done, right? It was just writing the draft. And it happened while I was waiting for the draft to come back from the editor. In April of 2017, I just had this natural curiosity and fascination with cryptocurrency, blockchain, Bitcoin, so on. And I went down the rabbit hole. And as I did, I discovered that my friend Travis Wright, who is a leading marketing technologist, also was going down the crypto rabbit hole. And we would have discussions virtually every day on Messenger about what we thought about the price of Bitcoin and the future of digital money was going to be. These conversations became so frequent that in July of 2017, he sent me a message that, uh, that said, when are we going to start the Joel and TW crypto show? And he was being half sarcastic, being uh, funny. But the moment he said it, I said, I'm calling you now because it landed. And I thought this would be fun. Let's put on a show. And we knew we had enough skills from previous experience to produce and host a podcast. Two days later, the Bad Crypto Podcast was launched. We never planned for it to be what it's become, but just over 10 months, 11, or maybe we're 11 months into doing the show, we've had over 4 million downloads. We're one of the top crypto shows in the world. It's taking us around the world. I just got booked to go to China to, to meet some people in, you know, in blockchain. Um, it, we're emceeing events. We're doing three, four shows a week. We've got sponsors, and my life has been consumed with this fascination with digital money. So, and I, and I got to revise the book to put the story in there because I too had to trust the process and the fun formula worked again. Yeah. So let me ask you a question because I think it's, it'll be helpful to other people. Um, I know personally that I end up listening a lot and meditating a lot and not acting actually intentionally not acting. I think people always feel like they have to do something and sometimes doing nothing is doing something. Are you loving what Jeff is laying down? You should hire him. Learn more at LivingstonCampaigns.com. I really like seeing something happen that impacts people. There's nothing quite like building a product or a service or helping a cause where you get to see the customer or the end user really feel awesome or smile because this changed the way they think about the world. When you do something like that, that has lasting impact. And there's only three types of campaigns you can buy fundraising, product launch, or some major corporate initiative. 
Learn more at livingstoncampaigns.com. And now let's get back to the show. I know personally that I end up listening a lot and meditating a lot, not acting, actually intentionally not acting. I think people always feel like they have to do something. And sometimes doing nothing is doing something. I do less than anybody I know. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously. People, in fact, a friend just said to me yesterday, you're like, you know, you're a machine. I'm like, no, you have no idea how much time I spend playing computer games or going for walks or hanging out with, you know, a friend. I do. Uh, if, if there's anybody that's, that I know that's closest to a four hour work week, it's me. That's awesome. But for, for everybody that's listening, how do you know when you've landed on that bad crypto podcast or whatever it might be that that's the thing that speaks to you. That's fun. How do you know? I mean, for me, I, I have an inclination, but I want to know from you how you got there. Well, I didn't know it was going to be a success. So let's be clear about that. I didn't go into it thinking that we're going to have this, you know, show with, you know, with five figures worth of listeners every time we put on an episode. Um, I just knew it sounded fun for, for me to do. And so the three components, what my curiosity towards blockchain, the ability to take a risk and say, I don't care what happens with this. I want to do it. And then trusting the process. Uh, so I think that if you know what's fun for you, then do that thing and see where it goes. Yeah, I'm very much in this, like, it, so much of what you said resonates. And it's interesting you use the language, the dark night of the soul. This is, you know, from a spiritual perspective, something that every human goes through, whether you know what it is or not. And we call it a midlife crisis, but ultimately it's the reckoning of yourself mm-hmm. of when you realize who you really are and who you've been, and you have to reconcile who you're going to be going forward. And uh, for myself, one of the ways that I've done this is, and I've talked about this before, where my big thing in this last couple of months has been to do meditations where I ask for guidance, I connect to my guides, I ask for guidance because I have an amazing channel, I get amazing guidance, and then follow it. Because in the past, I would get like all these messages and visions and I would see myself on, you know, stages and all of these things happening. But then I would like, I would logic myself out of actually acting on it of like, ah, it doesn't feel good or whatever, right? This time, I literally on a Friday in meditation saw that it was time to relaunch this podcast for season two. And by Saturday night, I had just reconnected with Jeff at a conference literally the day before. We had a call scheduled Friday afternoon. We talk about, hey, do you want to be on this podcast with me? I really would like, I think, you know, we have similar stories. We'd be really good. And by literally within 24 hours, I had already booked the first six guests. And I was like, oh, that's how I knew. Because it was like the universe was conspiring with me. It was like, yes, this is what's supposed to be happening. And then that has expanded into the launch of the Conscious Marketing Institute. And for me, you talk about, you know, that curiosity. For me, having conversations with people that allow them to connect to their soul, to their purpose, and then apply that into their career and into their lives and into the impact that they have on the world. Like for me, that just like opens my heart, opens my heart immediately. 
and brings me that fulfillment. So I'm still in a like, we'll see if it works, right? Because we've released today, we released the second episode as we record this. Um, but interesting things have happened. You know, the Institute for Integrative Health in Baltimore is interested in partnering and doing medical research on um, some of the stuff that we're doing and investing and all these things. So I'm like, yeah, like that's how I know is because it just it's just lining up. And I, it, the more I honor myself by not going onto the hustle wheel with this and trying to pump, pump, pump and honor my time and honor my energy, most of all, of whether or not I have the energy to do something right now, the more the universe seems to make it just happen effortlessly. The hustle is a dance and grinding is for coffee beans and, uh, and you can keep it. Uh, there's just, there's the reward there is actually minimal for the very small percentage of people that actually do hustle and grind their way to what they imagine is success. There's only a small percentage of those that discover that that's actually what I wanted. And, and they're left going, what now? You know what? For those who don't have money, money can be the goal, right? But for those with a purpose mindset, money is, is not the goal because once you know how to make money, you also know how to lose it and you can make it again and you can lose it again and it comes and it goes and it ebbs and it flows and now I'm rapping. And <laughs> it's, not, it's not the main thing. If you, you know, it's like getting the, the sports car. You have your dream of getting this. Okay, now I've got a car. Now I drive it around. How do I feel when I'm in this car? Oh, I like the car. Okay, but it's a car. It's just a car. That's it. It's just a car. Your big house is just a big house with a bigger yard to take care of and more stuff to dust and vacuum. I'm so lazy. I bought one of those Roomba knockoffs and he runs around here and vacuums my rug because I don't even want to vacuum a two bedroom apartment. Nice. Mine's right there. <laughs> Sometimes he gets stuck though. What's really funny is I talk to it. Like he'll get stuck up on something. He called me. He, I'm like, what are you doing there? Did you get stuck again? Cause I don't have a dog. So I talked to the Roomba <laughs> or he's a, it's called a D bot. Nice. There's a, there's an interesting book. It's by a woman uh, by the name of Julia Cameron, uh, which is called the artist way. I don't know if either of you are familiar with it. Uh, it'd be a good uh, secondary reading to the fun formula, which you should read first people. <laughs> Funformulabook.com. But like once you get there and you're, you're at that point where you want to expand yourself, it's, an, it, it's interesting because it's really about unlocking your interior creativity and finding that, that sweet spot. And one of the crazy things it talks about, which is something uh, that you've brought up a few times, Joel, and I think that's why it's coming to mind here. And something uh, I follow, it, first of all, it believes a lot of meditation. You have to get that kind of voice out of you just – out so you can get clarity and uh it talks about journaling using writing meditation just to have a stream of consciousness for three pages and getting all that out i actually do that and then uh, the other thing it talks about is taking yourself out on an artist date and what the artist date is like where you just turn off the grind you book yourself two hours and you do again excuse my language whatever the fuck you want to do man <laughs> i mean like where that's just going to go watch the avengers or taking a nature walk or uh creating something finger painting just playing with your kid on the playground whatever it is you do what you want to do and you only do it for you because it's going to inspire you and uh i think like when we start getting back to taking care of ourselves 
it's really quite amazing what happens. I think about these people that hustle that you're talking about, and the only ones that I see that are successful are like Gary Vee. They're the ones that are hustling because they freaking love it. Like, they can't get enough of it. Like, I look at somebody like a LeBron James, for example, and I, it's coming to mind because they played yesterday uh, for the NBA Finals, but God, the guy loves basketball. Man. I mean, like, if you think that he doesn't love basketball, you're kidding yourself because he would just – he would not be LeBron. I don't care how much talent you have. If you don't love what you're doing, it doesn't matter how much time you invest in it. You won't have the result that people that really have passion for what they're doing do. Yeah. And so just to take a look at this from the other angle too, which is, you know, not only are we, many of us either living the hustle formula or now getting out of the hustle formula at this point, in our lives, this is something that is very prominent in marketing messaging. You know, you look at, especially with sports brands, you know, it's all about the hustle. Business brands are now all about the hustle. And um, Mark Schaefer did a post and, and it was, it really moved me because he talked about no more hustle shaming. You know, like we shame people for their, their hustle, either too much or too less. Like, you know, <laughs> we're, we're doing it on both sides. And so, for you guys, like what, as marketers, you know, what do you feel the impact of promoting hustle is and what's the alternative? Like, how do we make a shift into something that aligns more with the truth of what we've found to work? You know, I, so I think it's dangerous and I think the people who are profiting most from the hustle grind mentality are those who are selling it right? They're selling the picks and the shovels, only they're not selling you a pick and a shovel. They're selling you a whole, you know, truck full of them because you're going to need a lot of them to hustle and grind. Uh, you know, and it, it's, it's the dude in his garage with his Lambo selling the, you know, 19 to 24 year old impressionable young men. You want to be like me and have a Lambo in your garage and have this big rented mansion and have the pool with all these beautiful people around it and stacks and stacks of cash and they're selling it and they're selling you their courses and they're selling you the dream. Well, it's not the dream. It's a dream, but it's not necessarily your dream. They're telling you it's your dream. They're marketing that this is what you want. You need this. You need to be richer and smarter and faster and more beautiful and blah, 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 blah. Um, and there's no risk taking in that. That's following somebody else's prescription and pattern for your life. And as, as you were talking, uh, um, Jeff, I got inspired and I was thinking about, you know, risk taking and getting out of the, the box. And, and I just posted on Facebook, don't be afraid to take risks. Be afraid of what happens when you don't. Right. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I've, I've had a couple of recent experiences with people that promote the hustle dream and uh, both the guys that were doing that were uh, uh, fucking around on Netflix a lot, uh, not really uh, doing a lot of work, uh, or, or were coming in at 8, leaving at 5, and not working and not turning on their email and things like that, but telling everybody else to work their ass off. And you know what? I, I, I think I, you look at the president, too, uh, who, you know, <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, I just went there, Pandora's box, but... Yeah, the guy fucks off all the time. Excuse my language. He's playing golf. He's watching TV. He's a goofball, man. And that's fine. He's, and I'm not going to deny he's successful. I'm not, 
I'm not speaking about his character or anything, but the guy isn't really working that hard, you know, and he's immensely successful. It's just work smart, not hard. It's it. That's it. If you're busting your ass and you don't know what you're doing, guess what? That's not smart. No, it's dumb. That's dumb. It's, it's, you know what it is? It's busyness for the sake of looking busy. And I think a lot of us get stuck in that trap, you know, get, Oh, I'm busy. I'm really busy doing what, I, I personally find, like, for me, I love waking up early and writing and doing whatever I have to do that's, like, deep thought. And then I'm done by 9 a.m. The rest of my day is usually about, like, meetings or, like, for example, this podcast or something like that. And then real work picks up again at the end of the day if I have the capacity to do it. If I don't, I can tell, and I stop, and I pick it up again at 6 a.m. Hmm. And it's only because I, I get when I'm going to be good at it, and I know when I'm not. And understanding how you work well and then catering to yourself and taking care of yourself makes you more productive, I believe. Absolutely. And, you know, so, I mean, just as we like look at not only the impact on our own lives and then seeing that, you know, those who make these claims oh, guess what? It might be misleading advertising, actually, because what they're doing is not actually what they're saying they're doing, but they know that this is a formula that sells. When we talked to Jay Baer and he said, you know, look, until something outperforms the fear formula, they're going to keep using the fear formula. We're in the same situation where it's like, yes, the hustle formula works because it's what we have told ourselves is necessary. But in doing it, and you look at what's happening in society, we and we've had this conversation so many times, we're more obese than ever. We're more... Um, hey, hey, don't get personal. <laughs> ridden than ever, ever. You know, we are, our addictions that are an all-time high. And so when we see that impact, I think it's important for us as marketers to really stay, take a step back and say, you know what? It's time for me to get whole within because when I'm whole within, I'm going to create my best work and my best work isn't going to be trying to create, to convince someone else to work themselves to death. And you look at the stats in Japan, uh, you know, I think it's called Kuroshi, K-A-R-O-S-H-I. they kill themselves, yeah. Well, they literally are working themselves to death, to drop dead from overwork because they're working 80, 90 hour weeks and not balancing between other initiatives and their time and their family. And so I think that we have a responsibility to look within uh, because we have a really big opportunity in front of us and also a huge engine, by the way, $5.3 trillion in advertising every year that is spent sharing these messages. Just imagine what would happen if the message were switched, Joel, and it was talking about the fun formula instead. Mm. That's well, that's the thing is, you know, uh, I like to take risks and get ahead of the trends. And it's been clear to me that the hustle and grind mentality um, gained momentum and is dangerous. And I don't see a lot of people talking about not doing it. And so I'm like the pendulum's way over here. I'm going to shove that thing back the other way. And we have to, we have to sit on that pendulum, jump up and down on it to get it to come back the other way because it's dangerous. It's hurting people. For sure. So, um, with that and no more hustle shaming, you know, looking at how we judge each other, I think looking at judgments is one of the clearest ways for me to kind of figure out what it is that is important to me and where my healing is. So like I noticed that for myself, um, you know, I had these stories around how many hours we were supposed to work in a day 
And when I saw myself holding myself to that, that's where I realized like, oh, I'm trying to live up to someone else's view and I'm trying to create something that is for someone else, but really creating something for myself. Like when you talk about like bringing this all home with the, the conversation on minimalizing, I actually want a fairly simple experience. I don't need a lot of things like a one room shack on the beach and I would be quite happy. So when I really recognized that, that I didn't need very much, but to that experience was the key that every day that I woke up and I had an amazing experience, I noticed I also created the most amazing work. And I noticed that I had the most amazing results from that work that was created. So that's been a, a huge thing for my journey for sure. I just want to travel, man. You know what I did today, guys? I have to tell you. I'm, I'm going to brag a little. Uh, my wife works at the United States Agency for International Development. She's getting sent to Kenya. And she goes, she just texts me, I'm thinking about going to a safari. Do you mm. want to come? <laughs> and nice. I said to myself, like, I went to Africa three years ago, and it was incredible. And I swore, like, I have to go back and I have to bring my family. And here it comes, pops, this opportunity. I already have a vacation booked in July. You know what I said to myself? Yeah. So I texted her back, you betcha, man. And I didn't think <laughs> twice. Didn't have any guilt. I might have a couple projects. Guess what? They can deal with it. <laughs> I'm going out. Carpe the DMs. You, we don't know how long we have. Carpe the heck out of them. That, that's, you know, if you need to go back and... And watch uh, um, Dead Poets Society. Go do that to get your inspiration from Robin Williams. Love it. What are you guys doing that's uh, awesome for you today that's really making your life go? I want to hear what Joel is doing when he's not working as, uh, was it, 0.45 hours today? <laughs> yeah. So actually, today and tomorrow, I've got a bunch of interviews because the book's coming out and my publicist is scheduling and, I'm, and I get to tell these stories and share the fun formula with the world. I'll be recording a couple interviews for Bad Crypto Podcasts. And, um, and, and then, uh, what do I, oh, next week I get to go to Vegas and drive a Lambo, actually. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, uh, I'm, uh, Travis and I are emceeing World Crypticon in uh, October 31st through November 2nd at the Aria Hotel. They're, they're planning on having 4,000 people. And we're emceeing this thing, and they want to shoot a promotional commercial for it. So they're flying us out and going to stick us in Lambos and Ferraris to, uh, to get shots of us getting out of them at the hotel. So <laughs> you want to do this? Yes, I do. That sounds like fun. I don't want to own a Lambo. I have no aspirations to buy one ever. But will it be funny to go drive one and be in a commercial? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I, um, I think it was not this last weekend, but the weekend before I spent a day on a 54-foot yacht. And I was just like, I just had a friend that the yacht wasn't being used. And I wanted a day on the water. I'm a Pisces, so it helps to rejuvenate my soul. And I was like, and he's like, you can't take it out of the dock, obviously, but you can stay and chill in the dock. And I was like, uh, yes, I would like good. to spend my day. Put on a little Otis Redding and we'd be <laughs> go. I would like to spend my day on a 54 foot yacht. That would be awesome. Yeah. And, um, and then today it's, you know, it's, it's very easy. We're recording today. I put together some promotions for the, uh, for episode two that was released and that's it for my day. And I don't have children today too. So it's literally like just to do whatever I want to do. And I like to design most of my time that way. 
And when I find that I have multiple days where, you know, like I've done meetings or I have a lot of tactical things that need to get done, then I'll take an entire day where I'm the only one home and I get to just meditate all day. Like I literally will meditate for like six hours and it's amazing what that does to your battery in uh, your body. And my battery would be going, plug me into something. I'm <laughs> <laughs> But that's you, and that's your fun. Yeah. You know, something you said just triggered another thought. Having it all doesn't, it's somehow we've equated it with owning it. Having it all doesn't have anything to do with owning it. It has to do with the experiences that you have. So I can go drive a Ferrari and have it all without owning a Ferrari. You can go to the 50-foot yacht and have it all because in that moment, you're having it all through the experience. And I don't have to own it. I don't have to clean it. I don't have to. You don't have to insure it? No. It was, I, that was a really big transition for me. Like I really realized like the whole concept of ownership is heavy, but the concert, concept of access is very light. And I want to have access to be able to travel. And I want to be able to have access to the water. And I want to be able to have access to a boat, but I don't need to own it all. And quite frankly, you know, they say that the better thing than having a boat is a friend with a boat. I actually experienced that. And it's like, that's actually really right, true. Right. I don't want the vacation home. I want the guy who's got the house on the beach. Exactly. Exactly. So very good. Well, thank you guys both so much. It absolutely was a fun episode with the fun formula. And I, I, I truly hope that as people look at their own lives and as they look at their role as marketers, that they really do take a look within. Because this is a question that's not only for the impact that you have on the world. It really is about designing your life around what you truly love. And, and no one is ever going to prioritize your dreams more than you. And if you're waiting for someone else to give you a permission slip in order to do that, they're not going to do it. But we will give you a permission slip right now to go and start living your dreams because <laughs> there is, there's the permission slip. That's it. <laughs> He's going to cut his tie. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> oh. That costs me a hundred bucks. No way. <laughs> yeah, for such a tease. And if, and if wearing a tie is your fun formula, that's okay too. And if you want to learn more about Jill, you can go to funformulabook.com. Thank you so much for being with us, Jill. You bet. Thank you. Thanks, Jill. The Conscious Marketing Podcast is produced by WCR Studios. Want to have your show produced by us? Learn more at wcrstudios.com. Music for the Conscious Marketing Podcast is provided by Sophia Fleming. Please check out our new album, Collection of Reflections. Just search for Sophia Fleming online. Thank you for joining the Conscious Marketing Podcast and taking a look in the mirror with us. We hope you found you learned something new about yourself and have another tool to help raise the bar of consciousness in our industry. If you liked what you heard, please take the time to give us a review. Every review matters and helps another marketer find their way here. Want to have next week's episode automatically queued up for your commute? Remember to subscribe before you leave. We thank you for your support. Please go to ConsciousMarketingInstitute.com for show notes, links, and other awesome resources. It is our honor to serve you. Now, let's go change the world.